0: Welcome to Write Stuff Radio, where we showcase Christian authors worldwide. Each week, join me for a new author and a great new book to add to your library. Welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the queen, Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we're going to be talking to my guest co-host and contributor today, Bill Fortenberry. Some of you may know him from the guy who is totally swoon-worthy when he talks about how much he is in love with his wife. But he also talks about historical things. He also talks about research. He does a lot of research. And I thought, and he thought too, it would be a good idea to share with you research tools to help you as an author. I'm going to find this particular show interesting to me because I am a historical romance novelist and I have to research all the time. So if I could get access to new things that will help me with my research, why not go ahead and share it with you? I can't wait to talk about it in just a few moments. Before we go into that, I want to thank you all for your support of my newest release, A Chance for Genevieve. I love your response to it. But if you haven't had a chance to pick it up, go ahead and pick it up today exclusively on Amazon.com. We want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years. And as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash write stuff and see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. To stay connected to PJC Media, simply go to pjcmedia.net and smash that pink button and you'll never, ever have to miss a show. And so, without further ado, I'm going to introduce my guest co-host and contributor today, Bill Fortenberry. Bill, how are you doing today?
1: I am doing great. Thank you for having me on.
0: And it's good to have you back on. It has been a minute. I think the last show we did was about Benjamin Franklin and his belief system, according to his words, as it changed over the years. I think that was the last show we did. May not have been, but it sounds about right, though, because I really enjoyed that show, particularly that you had collated all of Benjamin Franklin's sayings into one easy-to-read book because he is a very high-regarded figure of American history. And so people say, well, he wasn't a Christian. He was more of a deist at most during that time period. And you showed through his writing his changing view about faith, religion, theology as he got older, particularly closer to the time when he died. So for those of you who want to get into what one of the major historical figures of America is Benjamin Franklin, simply pick up Bill's book. And Bill, I have you go ahead and share the title with our listeners there.
1: Yeah, that's called Franklin on Faith, and it's available on Amazon. As e or paperback, but Franklin on Faith.
0: I had to mention that because people need to know that when you're talking about research tools, you had to do a ton of research for that one particular book. And this isn't the first book that you've written where you have to go back in time to get information for the more modern era for us here. So let's talk about this because I think it's a valuable tool for our listeners out there, particularly writers who want to maybe write historical fiction, but they're not quite sure how to do that. Or they want to write a narrative like you do with Benjamin Franklin. They want to really explore these topics. So let's go ahead and talk about that. But before I do that, I want people to know why you have a particular interest in research in general.
1: I started pouring into research back when I was, I don't know, maybe second or third grade. And I used to ask my teachers to let me write research papers for extra credit just because I enjoyed it so much. I've been in research for a long time.
0: (laughs) That is so nerdy, and I absolutely love it. It's like when I was growing up, and I would skip class to go to the library. (laughs) We're rebels, aren't we, Bill? (laughs) I love that, though. But research is important, and I think it's important because when you're writing, you want to make sure you have your authenticity there particularly if you write historical romantic fiction or historical fiction. But from the nonfiction side, what do you want research to tell our listeners?
1: Well, research is really the search for truth. That's the ultimate goal is just to find out what is true, regardless of whether you agree with it or not, whether it supports your conclusion or not. And then, you know, for a fiction author, you want to know what is true because you want your works to be as close to truth as possible in order to be appealing to the readers. Research is a great tool for helping with that.
0: I totally agree. I can remember when I first started writing out as a historical romance novelist, I wasn't quite aware of how picky readers can be when you get something wrong. For example, and this didn't happen to me, but one of my author friends shared that she used the term okay in a book that started about 1865. And someone called her out and said there would not have been okay in 1865. That was not in popular speech until the late 1800s to the early 1900s. And that's just something really simple. So imagine if it's something bigger. What if you're trying to depict clothes? That's a real big one in historical romance. Make sure you have the right type of clothes for the era. What if it's particular mores about the time? What if it's courting rituals? or etiquette rituals just for the fiction side, and for the non-fiction side, you have to make sure what was the messages going about around this time? What kind of wars are going on? These are very important questions to ask as you're doing research. Let's go ahead and tackle this massive topic in small chunks as possible. What are some tools that you have used to help you in your research?
1: All right. Well, let me introduce that by saying that one of the things we want to do is be able to identify good research material. There's a lot of stuff out there claiming to be research. But what you really want to do, if you're wanting to find the truth and not just someone else's opinion of the truth, you want to focus on three things. You want to focus on something that is either original source or as close to original source as you can possibly get. You want something that's an eyewitness account and something that's verifiable. So those three things are the things you're looking for when you're trying to identify good material. So to give you a contrast, reading the writings of the Founding Fathers themselves, that's original source, eyewitness material, and in many cases it's verifiable because multiple ones wrote about it. Watching a History Channel special is not original source, (laughs) it's not eyewitness, and many times it's not verifiable because they're just spouting their opinions and have no way to prove it. So you want to get that original, close to original, and eyewitness and verifiable information uh, that you can get. So some of the tools that I use, One thing that a lot of people are very familiar with is Google Books. Most people are aware that Google Books exists. Most writers have used it a little bit to read some books. Most people don't use it to its full potential. If your goal is to find the original source material and something that's from an eyewitness account, it's a very helpful tool. You can search Google Books just going to books.google.com. And you can search not just for a given book, but you can search for every occurrence of a word or a phrase across all the books in their database. To give an example of this, when I was writing an article about the separation of church and state, most people know that phrase separation of church and state is not in the Constitution. That phrase is also not in the letter that Jefferson wrote that people quote as being the source of the idea of separation of church and state. What he wrote is a slightly different phrase. He said that there was a wall of separation between church and state. And so when I was researching that phrase, I took just the phrase wall of separation and I put that in quotation marks and I searched for just that phrase in Google Books and it gave, you know, thousands of results. So I wanted to narrow it down. So there's other things you can do to narrow it down. I didn't want every reference to Jefferson saying that. I wanted references before Jefferson said that so I would know what people reading his words back then would have understood them to me. So in Google Books, you can search not just for a phrase, put it in quotation marks It searches just for that whole phrase. You can search for that. You can also click on the tools button and you can search within a specific date range And so I put my maximum date range as the date that Jefferson wrote his letter, and that gave me all the results from before he wrote that letter in books that were published before that time that are in Google's database. And that was a much smaller sample of books. Uh, There's only a couple of hundred books that had anything at all to do with a a wall of separation of any sort. And that helped me in my research to understand exactly what Jefferson meant because then I could see what readers of his time period understood that phrase to mean when they came across it in his letter. And so Google Books are a really helpful tool that I've used a lot. And you can use that to find whole books that can be read online. Uh, For more modern books, a lot of times you can only read snippets. And it'll just, when you search for a word or a phrase, it'll show up just one or two sentences uh, from that book that you can see where that phrase is used. There's a little trick that I use sometimes. If I can't see enough from that little snippet, I'll take the phrase at the very end of the snippet and I'll search for that. And then that will give me the preview. The snippet will have that phrase in the middle. And so it will show me the words after that phrase. So I'll take the words at the end of that snippet and search for those, and it'll show me the words at the end of that, and then it'll take you know keep doing that over and over again until I get enough of it to see what I want, really want to see in order to get, like, for example, to get a quote from someone that can't find anywhere else. And so Google Books is one a phenomenal tool available that's online, everyone can use it. You can also search within each of the books. So once you find the book and you open it up. There's a search bar on the left-hand side while you're reading the book, and you can search for phrases and for words inside of that book and go to each instance of that author using that word or phrase in that book. And that's been one of my most used resources.
0: I actually like Google Books myself because if I'm looking a particular time period where the words would have been used or said differently, for example, I was looking up Ladies Gotti's book. And that was the premier book for ages, for ages. And people would get that book to learn about, women would get that book for fashion, recipes, sewing patterns, knitting patterns. They were talking about different political items. Everything was in this book. It was the premier book. And they were the ones who had colored plates. So it wasn't just black and white plates. They had colored plates of fashion. So for historical romance writers, you can Google and Google books pick up Lady Gotti's book, and you'll see these beautiful, scrumptious fashion plates in there for those of us who like that type of thing. But you can also read the articles. And if you wanted to kind of go into what were people thinking about at this time, you can read it through some of the stories that's in that particular magazine. And the stories were things such as don't play with men's feelings, what is etiquette about, how to be a mother, just really interesting things that appeal to women that was in that book. And that's just one example of some of the historical works you can find in Google Books. What is another tool that you use for your research? Well,
1: another tool that I use is archive.org. Archive.org has a large database of books, just like Google Books. They actually have several books there that are not on Google Books. And in some cases where Google Books will delete something from their archive for one reason or another, and you can go to Internet Archive and you can find the Google Books version of the old scan that Google Books used to have. You can find it on archive.org. It's a huge database of books, but not just books. They also have a lot of articles, newspaper articles, magazine articles, scholarly articles. They also have images, a whole lot of older photography, paintings, paintings sculpture and so if you're doing anything having to do with art you would want to go to archive.org and look at the art from that era and again it's all searchable it's all in a database uh, you can do a, a keyword search for a particular kind of art and it will show all the results from that the video audio they have the audio one of the ones I've used is the audio of Thomas Edison talking about his theory of general relativity. So going way back to Thomas Edison's time, they had some audio of that. Of course, he was one of the ones who helped develop that technology. But we have Edison's actual voice. Sorry, not Edison. Einstein's. Mixing my invent scientists here. We have Einstein's actual voice talking about his theory of general relativity. Edison is the one that helped invent the thing. Sorry about my historical confusion there.
0: This is why you have to research, research, research people, because he could have talked about it wrong.
1: (laughs) But yeah, all that's available on archive.org. Uh, one of my favorite things available there is what they call the Wayback Machine, and that is an archive of the entire internet, is what they tried to do. But you can look at deleted web pages through the Wayback Machine. So, for example, one of my organizations, Personhood Alabama, we used to have a website, personhoodalabama.com. We've now closed that organization since the overturning of Roe v. Wade and. We're all focusing in other pro-life areas now. So we've shut down the website. And so if you just type in personhoodalabama.com, it, it doesn't come up with anything. But if you want to find out what we wrote about in the past, like when we were we had a, a lawsuit where we were representing the child who had been aborted and the child was suing the mother and the abortionist who had killed her. And that lawsuit, the information about that, you can still find that. You just have to go to the Wayback Machine and type in our web address, and it will pull up old versions of the website going all the way back to when we first created it. And you can click on those old versions and see what we wrote in the past on any number of topics. And so I've used that a lot in political research because politicians like to hide things that they wrote in the past. Or sometimes the politician will write something on his campaign website, and then when his campaign is over, he'll just delete the website. So if you want to find out what he was saying back in his previous campaign, you'll have to pull up that old version of the website and look for that in the Wayback Machines. That's been a lot of fun to use, and it's been very helpful. The Archive.org is a, another one that's really good, a lot like Google Books.
0: And then the thing about these particular sources is that you're going for the original source. You're going for what did they say in their own words. But let's say you can't get the original source. What are some other tools you can use?
1: Uh, Well, even if you can't get the original source, you can get many times, you can get close to it. So you can find someone that is an authority on that particular person. So like, here's a good example, Uh, George Washington's prayer at Valley Forge. There was no, we do not have an original source or an eyewitness account of that directly. His prayer at Valley Forge that is talked about in the history books, and you see it in art with a painting of him praying next to his horse and all that. That comes from the testimony of Quaker I believe his name was Isaac Potts, and we don't have anything written by Isaac Potts. He was a farmer. He didn't write anything. He just farmed his field. So we don't have that. What we do have is other people who have talked about what Isaac Potts told them. And so we're not getting back to original source. We're not getting back to eyewitness, but we're getting back to the next level from that. And there's been a lot of historians who say that that account is fictional because they claimed that the only recording we had of it was from Parson Weems. Parson Weems is not a very good historian. <laughs> he did a lot of embellishing in his account of George Washington. And so they say, well, he's known for embellishing his account, so he probably made up this whole thing from Isaac Potts. And so when I wrote my book, Hidden Facts of the Founding Era, I did some as much research as I could possibly do on this statement from Isaac Potts using sources like Google Books and, and archive.org. And I found that there were two other people who had talked to Isaac Potts and who had recorded what he said. And in their recordings, they said this exact same thing that Parson Weems said Isaac Potts had said when he talked to him. And so that gives us three testimonies verifying what Isaac Potts had said. And so when you can't get the original source, then you need to follow the biblical example of letting everything be established by two or three witnesses and try to get as many witnesses who can witness to what that original source had said.
0: Right now, Bill, I am looking at several magazines I have with me, and they're from the Life Explorers magazine, and this one is from American Collector, and this one I have from the American Collector is George Washington, America's First President and the Founding of a Nation, and the other two are about the Civil War. The first one is about the Civil War on the front lines, and then the Civil War generals in the field, and they have some really interesting pictures from that time period. Because photography was new at that time. And so when it comes to finding out authenticity, would you recommend magazines like these? And I found this at the uh, pharmacy store where I live at in the stand. I just buy them. They're like $15 or $25, depending on what the content is. Would you recommend these as a source as well?
1: Sure. But I would recommend them on the same level as Wikipedia. A lot of people are familiar with Wikipedia. You know it's a free encyclopedia online. There's a lot of information there, but you got to remember with Wikipedia, anyone can contribute to that. You don't have to have any special permission in order to contribute to Wikipedia. In fact, I was in a debate with a fellow uh, back uh, was probably 15 years ago. We were in, a, in an online debate in a discussion board talking about pacifism and pacifism in early Christianity. And he kept quoting this Wikipedia article saying that the early Christians and the church fathers and all of them, that they were all strongly pacifist. And so I went and looked at the Wikipedia article. It didn't have good sources that it was quoting. So I just changed the article. I just logged in and rewrote the article to say I knew to be true, and I documented it all with good sources. And then I came back to him the next day and said, hey, you might want to go read that article again. I don't think it says what you think it says. And let him go back and discover that, oh, wait a minute. Someone just changed his article, and that ruined his whole attempt to debate me on that because he was presenting that as an authority, and then all of a sudden, for him to challenge and say, well, you shouldn't have changed that, I could immediately just say, well, if I can change it, what do you know about the person before me that wrote it and the person before them that may have written it and the person before them that may, you know, you You know, you don't know if it's truly t- trustworthy, so what I do with Wikipedia articles is I'll skim the article just to see what it says and what it's talking about. And then I'll immediately jump down to the footnotes and I'll look for the references and the places where you can go for additional information. In the footnotes, a lot of times they'll have links to the sources that they cite. And then I go through those in order to get my information. So with a magazine like that, you're talking about, I've seen those many times also. I'll get them and look through them. And and, you know the pictures, those are authentic pictures from back then. You can can gain a lot of information about those pictures. For example, times the rank is visible in those pictures based on the insignia. Many times the pictures are dated, and so you'll know when this particular general came to, when he was a general based on the date in that picture. You can often identify who the people are uh, fairly easily. All that, those magazines are great for. I would just be cautious about anything that the author of the articles says that he doesn't support with good footnotes and good references.
0: So the question really becomes, why do we research? Do we really want to know the truth, or are we just interested in only having our viewpoint shaped by the research that we have? Do you think that's a danger zone for some, for writers and for non-writers alike?
1: It is, yeah, especially for non-fiction writers. Just getting someone's opinion about the truth instead of getting the truth itself can have some major effects and cause problems, not just for yourself and your readers proclaiming you as a fraud and denouncing you but for future generations as well. Nonfiction writers have a much higher burden and higher accountability than fiction writers because their works can live on for much longer and have a greater effect. Now, of course, fiction can last for a long time. You have fiction books that were written thousands of years ago that we still read today, but fiction books are understood to be fiction. There's not as much of an expectation for accuracy. I've got A case in my book, Hidden Facts of the Founding Era, where George Washington is quoted as saying something about Christians and about the church that makes it sound like uh, he's not a Christian and he has nothing to do with the church and doesn't want anything to do with it. That quote is from a print publication of Washington's letters. It's from one of his best biographers, Sparks, who wrote that collection of of, uh, Washington's letters and put it in print. But Sparks misread Washington's letter. And so online, you can go and find the actual handwritten letter that Washington wrote. And I went, I did that. I pulled it up, the handwritten letter, and I read the handwritten letter because what Sparks was saying, Washington said, just didn't quite fit with Washington's character. And so I went and found the original handwritten letter and read the handwritten letter and saw that Washington wasn't denigrating Christianity at all. He wasn't saying anything negative about Christianity. It was, it was just a misprint on Sparks' part. Well, Sparks' misprint got picked up by author after author after author after author for generations. And it wasn't until, as far as I know, my own book was the first one to point out that he misprinted what Washington said. And so all these people are saying that Washington said this thing you know, negative about Christianity for centuries almost and until they come across someone who went back to the original source and got the actual truth and not just the opinion of Sparks about what Washington wrote.
0: So what are some other tools you can mention to us to help us do better at our research?
1: All right another one that many people aren't familiar with is HathiTrust. It's H A T H I T-R-U-S-T dot org, Hathitrust.org. HathiTrust.org. Uh, they also have a, a large collection of books. One of the things that they do is they'll tell you which libraries have particular books. And so I've found them very useful when I'm looking for an old book and it's not been scanned or typed into any database online. I can usually type in the title on HathiTrust and find out which libraries near me have that book so that I can go get it and then you know, read it and use it in my research. Uh, but in addition to that, they also have a lot of eBooks that are online. Very similar to Google Books and, and Archive.org. Uh, now, HathiTrust books aren't often searchable. So if you're just looking for a particular phrase in the middle of a 500-page book, they're not necessarily the best resource for that. But they are a good resource for finding books, and they'll often have books that are not available in Google Books or Archive.org. That's how I found out
0: about Lady Gotti was through oh, really? HathiTrust. Yeah, that's how I found out about them. Go ahead,
1: please. Um, another one's Project Gutenberg. Um, a lot of people are familiar with them. Their goal is to take books that are in the public domain, so that they're more than 95 years ago in most cases, and put those books online and available as eBooks. Now, theirs is again is not searchable uh, like Google's is searchable. Now, once you download the eBook, you can put it in an eBook reader and be able to search it that way. But you can't search inside of the books through the Project Gutenberg website. But they also have a lot of books that have not made it into Google Books or any of the other databases. One of the things that I like about Project Gutenberg is the pictures. They have a lot of picture books that they've scanned in, and they usually have higher quality picture scans than someplace like Google would have. Uh, And so I've actually used a lot of those pictures in not my writing, but and other things that I've done, other artistic endeavors that I've done, which you could use them on, in book covers. I, I have done that. I've grabbed some Project Gutenberg images from the books. You have to download the ebook with the images, and then you can save the images separately. And I've used some of those in book covers before. But there's a lot you can get from Project Gutenberg as well.
0: I'm familiar with Project Gutenberg, and that's how I actually found when I do research, because I looked on Wikipedia, and there was an article I was reading. So I went to the footnotes, clicked on that. It took me to Project Gutenberg. And I was able to type in the book I was looking for and then get more depth into it. Now, some people may be listening to our show. They're like, well, you guys are all talking from a non-fictional historical standpoint or a historical fictional standpoint. But we're sharing this information because one thing that Bill said is that you want to make sure that you're telling the truth as or get as near to the truth as you possibly can when it comes to writing. So if you're researching anything, it doesn't have to be historical. It could be mechanical. Let's say you're writing a sci-fi and you want to make sure you got the right information. You can do that. It could be anything. You just want to make sure that your research is accurate so that your book can be authentic or as close to the truth as you can possibly get without putting your own spin on things. And of course, you're going to have an opinion about events and things that happen. There's nothing wrong with that.
1: Let me go into just a couple of other tools real quick. I'm I'm not sure how much time we have left, but let me just list some of them. Amazon previews are an amazing tool. Any book that is published in paperback on Amazon, you can actually search inside of that book with the Amazon preview. You only get a little snippet at a time, but you can search inside of that paperback and, and find what's there. So that's for books that are not in public domain, but they're on available on Amazon. Um, you've got another resource, Libgen.is. It's not entirely legal in America, so you might want to be careful with that one, but it does have a whole lot of uh, downloadable books and scholarly articles google scholar is one that i use a lot for reading scholarly articles uh, my most of my pro life work is done through google scholar my discovery of over 500 cases of live birth from ectopic pregnancies that was entirely discovered by finding articles through google scholar uh, there's also jstor is the capital letter j s t o r as another great scholarly resource uh, for researching anything in America's history. There's archives.gov, and uh, archives.gov is a huge collection of historical records that are owned by the government and the, the Library of Congress. Uh, of course, there's Wikimedia Commons. It's, again, images, video, and audio. One that I've, uh, my wife has used a lot and used it a lot in, in her books is ancestry.com. If people are familiar with that for finding their family history but you can just search any census records and one of the things my wife does with that is find names from those time periods and so if you want to use a name that's not you know the, the top 50 names of that time period but it's still kind of unique to that time period you can search through the census records on ancestry.com and, and just go until you find a unique name and use that there's Find a Grave, uh, databases of grave sites, and again, it's got the name, the family history a little bit, and, and where they are buried, where they lived, and things like that. FamilySearch.org is similar to that. You've got, of course, public libraries, university libraries, and there's, there's just a whole bunch that's out there. There's really no excuse nowadays for anyone to not do good research, and uh, whether fiction or nonfiction, whatever you're writing, if you're needing some information, that information is usually out there and it's usually out there available for free uh, you don't just have to guess or make something up you know you can usually find the truth pretty easily nowadays
0: Bill thank you so much for just sharing these various resources with us thank you for sharing the reason why we want our research to be authentic so our works can be authentic and true to the best of our ability I also want to thank you for just you know having these sources out there many of the sources you mentioned I was familiar with except for maybe one, so now I have a new place to go look because you can get into a rabbit hole when you do research too because it's extremely fascinating what you learned about the past or what you learn about a particular subject or topic. So I'm really glad you took time to be with us today. And so, Bill, we want to have you back pretty soon to talk about some other things that you talk about. You talk a lot about pro-life, as our listeners can tell. You're a pro-life advocate, and there are other things we talk about. So I can't wait to have you back for that show as well. So thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you for the opportunity.
0: And we were talking today to Bill Fortenberry. He is an author as well as a researcher. And what I really liked about this show is his ability to tell us that there are ways for you to get the answers you need. At the end of the day, that is what research is about, getting the answers you need to many questions you may have in life about topics, about different subjects. Doesn't matter what it is. If you want to do good research, make sure you do that by going to the original source, by checking what your sources are and then using what you learn to help formulate your opinions or your thoughts in the written word. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the queen, Parker J. and you have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count.